Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, joined as always by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the daily host of Southern Fried Sports Radio at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa. You can hear that 11 to noon on weekdays. The Talking Tide podcast available as always at our web host first. Uh, at podbean.com. You can get it on various apps as well, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And the Twitter feed, talking underscore tide, is the handle if you want uh, the quickest links out there to our podcast as we drop them. Uh, then definitely jump on that Twitter feed and you'll get the alerts that way. And Travis, we uh, kick off our first basketball centric podcast. Uh, of the academic year, Alabama traveling to Rupp Arena, falling 76-67 uh, to the Wildcats, a game that, that uh, Alabama hung pretty tight pretty late considering that the three-point basket was not their friend, uh, only four out of 21 for the game, which isn't going to cut it against anybody, especially Rupp Arena. But uh, not only did they shoot a poor percentage, they didn't get as many of them up as they typically like to. They average about 30 a game. And yet, despite that, Travis, they found themselves down three or four fairly late in the second half. They did. And you're right. When it comes to analyzing this Alabama basketball team, you can kind of keep it as short as a Miley Cyrus marriage, really, if you wanted to, because you can look at that three-point uh, column, three-point field goal column. Alabama, four of 21 in the game. You figured because of Kentucky's size and its ability to get to the rim and shoot at a high percentage from inside the three-point line, that Alabama was going to have to have a large edge in three-point shooting. and. Alabama ends up minus five in that department, so you expect the sort of outcome you got. But I don't think, given you know those numbers uh, with with nine makes for Kentucky from three and just four for Alabama, that you thought Alabama would be in the position it was late. You're right, um, kind of survived on the backboards uh, enough and showed that sort of scrap and determination and grit that you know. Uh, Nate Oates wants to see from his, his gang, um, you know, they're on a consistent basis, but you know, they went 14 minutes chase into the second half Saturday without a three. And it was a 61 57 game with a little more than five minutes to go. So, uh, 63 60 game, uh, with about five minutes to go. So, uh, I'd say all things considered, it was it was a pretty positive outing. It's not the win that you wanted or perhaps you needed, but um, you still see signs of some positive things from this team under Nate Oates. Getting to the basket, not a problem for Alabama's guards. Finishing at the basket, that's a problem, especially at Kentucky. Can't get a call around the rim in Rupp Arena as a visiting team typically anyway, but beyond that, uh, five block shots for the big man Nick Richards for the Wildcats. Uh, Alabama definitely had its uh, had its trouble finishing close to the rim. It did, and that's where that you're right. That length and that shot blocking ability. You know, you worried about that in the midweek game against Mississippi State, but State wasn't able to really uh, do that as much, and Alabama certainly had more success uh, from the three point line in that win over Mississippi State than it did. Uh, at Kentucky, but yeah, you had four made threes in the game, Chase, three of them from John Petty, 
So you had one other player make one three, and it wasn't Kyra Lewis. It wasn't Jaden Shackelford. Uh, it was Jalen Forbes, another true freshman. So uh, you needed a little bit more of a variety, and Les Petty was going to go for seven or eight, something crazy, uh, and they didn't get that. But again, uh, I'd say hung in there pretty well, all things considered. Uh, you know, rebounding was dead even at 44 apiece. Um, the offensive boards, you know, Alabama actually had six more offensive boards uh, and second chance points were even. So it was set up for Alabama to win the kind of game it needed to win, but that obviously entailed being a little more successful from, from three-point range. And, um, you know, Kentucky goes to the free throw line a ton, but just 11 made free throws for Kentucky in the game. That was another positive for Alabama. And the turnover bug of Chase, it's been an issue uh, for this Alabama team for much of the season. Been better of late. Just eight turnovers in the game. You'll take that if you're Nate Oates. You know, on that subject, Travis, the the one positive that and, and and with that, let's just go ahead and and look at it from look at the start of the SEC season for Alabama from a broader perspective. When we last podcasted ten days ago or so, you mentioned that it would be probably a, a good sign for Alabama if they could just get through their first four SEC games, tough games, two and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they drop a double overtime game at Florida, a game they should have won, a game they had a huge lead. Uh, they definitely take care of business at home against Mississippi State, drop this one to Kentucky. They've got Auburn up next. And so in order to make that two and two mark you were looking for in their first four in SEC play, going to have to knock off uh, one of the last two undefeated teams in the country. Yeah, Auburn and San Diego State. Who had those as the final two undefeated Division One teams in college basketball during the 2019-2020 season? Uh, Auburn did it again on Saturday. Uh, really uh, took Georgia to the woodshed as that game progressed. Uh, got more than 10 minutes into it. Uh, Auburn flexed its muscles once again. And, uh, you know, a team that's very similar to Alabama stylistically. So if you like the three-point shot, um, you're going to see plenty of those on Wednesday night at Coleman Coliseum, but it would, it, it would be huge uh, because Alabama doesn't, it's not just about, you know, that, that four game sort of uh, segment that we were talking about. It's big picture too. Alabama needs to beat somebody chase of relative significance. Um, when you talk about the big picture, that hasn't happened yet really either. The win over Mississippi state was nice. Um, but this is a top five Auburn team coming in here. This was an Auburn team that you thought might take a little bit of a step back, but Isaac Okora, the true freshman is sensational. Uh, Javon McCormick, uh, really good guard, uh, Samir Doughty, uh, another really good guard, Austin Wiley back in the paint. It, it's still going to be a big challenge for this Alabama team, even playing at home. Just to illustrate your point about Alabama's improvement in the turnover column of late, only 12 turnovers in Gainesville, only 10 at home against Mississippi State, and as you said, just eight at Rupp Arena. So they're averaging 10 a game over their last three, including road games in Gainesville and in Lexington. And don't forget, they didn't play 40 minutes at Florida. They played 50. So they've – They've improved greatly, I would say, compared to what we're used to seeing from Alabama, which is sometimes upwards of 20 turnovers. Yeah, I mean, you've got Kyra Lewis playing 37 minutes at Kentucky. 
and just two turnovers. Uh, same for John Petty. That's been an issue for him in the past, too, turning the basketball over. He had just two in the game on Saturday. Uh, you didn't have a player uh, with more than two uh, turnovers in the game uh, up at Rupp Arena. So, yeah, that's that's one of the positives. Again, the, the, the team approach to rebounding uh, and, and securing possessions has been a continued positive. You know, Kyra Lewis against Mississippi State and Kentucky – and when you think Mississippi State and Kentucky, especially this year, with Reggie Perry, uh, Robert Woodard at Mississippi State, Abdul Adu at Mississippi State, some of those frontline guys that they have, uh, you talk about uh, you talk about Richards at Kentucky. You know, y- you would think it would have to be a post for Alabama that's doing some really good work on the boards. But Kyra Lewis in each of the last two games against those type of teams has been Alabama's leading rebounder. He had eight on Saturday. He had eight against Mississippi State midweek, too. If you're going to play the kind of ball that Nate Oates likes to play, up and down, lots of guards, lots of three-pointers, guards, the backcourt's got to get involved on the boards more than, uh, I guess, a more traditional offense, right? No doubt, And, and as was the case against Mississippi State. Everybody that played more than three minutes, Forbes only played three minutes, but everybody that played 15 minutes or more had a rebound in the game. I mean, you had John Petty with seven. You had Herb Jones with seven. So, again, more perimeter, perimeter-oriented perimeter rebounding for this team. And, you know, we all know what the situation is right now in the post. I mean, it, there's times where it's solid, but it's it's not elite. Uh, we get that. So, you you got to send extra guys to the backboard, and, and Alabama's been okay with that. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in the Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Going to thank a couple of sponsors here uh, for keeping us on the air, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, the team of outstanding dental hygienists over there at North River Dental. Outstanding work no matter what your dental needs might be, whether it be porcelain veneers, teeth whitening services, cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry. They do it all over there, and they've got steady hands, Travis. Steady hands with that that awful uh, uh, scraper tool that uh, uh-huh. they have to come uh-huh. at you with with those routine cleanings. Uh, you, you, Good, Brett. I, I think they'd rather you call that a cleaning utensil <laughs> than an outright scraper. Yeah. You know, a scraper. Yeah, It's not like they're trying to take old paint <laughs> off a off a mobile home or something. Good, Brad. Go well, ahead. Well, Go. you know what, though? Cleaning the, utensil. The, the way those, the way that uh, <laughs> hygienists over there use that thing, it, it might as well have a rubber end De- on it. Debriding. <laughs> Debriding utensil. Yeah. Well. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying because there are some places that we've both been in the past uh, where it did feel like we were having some uh we were having some latex taken off of maybe a, an RV or something, you come, know. Come out of there feeling like you, you yeah. just got Earl a- Shy body shop type work, you know, on the <laughs> choppers, you know. Yeah. Sandblast. <laughs> North River Dental, though, they'll take care of you and uh, do it clean, do it easy. Get you in and out of there in less than an hour, typically, on routine cleanings for appointments. Go to NorthRiverDentist.com. You can also reach them by phone at 752-3506. It's at 1100 Fairfax Park, 
right off of McFarland Boulevard in Northport. Also want to thank Session Cocktails and Spirits, the outstanding new bar in downtown Tuscaloosa, 2221 University Boulevard, uh, and Hunter Wiggins and his bunch of bartenders over there do a super job. A deep list of signature cocktails, a deep selection of whiskeys, wines, domestic and craft beers. They do it all. Funky atmosphere, fancy glassware, and stiff drinks over at Session Cocktails and Spirits. I'm going to tell you about Southern Ale House out there in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. You talk about an outstanding variety, whether it's lunch and you can get those outstanding sandwich options, whether it's that yard bird, the personal favorite, that's a marinated smoked chicken breast with a slab of American cheese on top, a little fresh tomato, some arugula, thick cut, thick cut hickory bacon there for you to go along with a buttery soft bun. You can't beat that. Great burgers there as well. Uh, but then the dinner menu, whether you're looking for the best center cut bone in pork chop you're going to find anywhere in the, in the area and beyond for that matter, Southern Ale House, they got you covered. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Also downtown. I was just there a couple days ago. And I'm struggling with the selection process when it comes to the outstanding pies at Heat Pizza Bar so much that I ended up doing three of them, good bread. I did three pies. Yeah. You know, I went with the traditional favorite, just a straight up, really, really good cheese pie, cheese pizza. And then I went with the personal favorite, can't ever get away from it, the Thai chicken pizza. Uh, but then also that barbecue chicken pizza is a really cool pie because it's similar to what you see in some other barbecue chicken pies, but sort of differentiates it with some with some fresh cut slices of jalapeno on top there to go with that. So great, great options at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, full bar for you, craft cocktails craft brews great place to watch the football watch the college basketball monday night if you're looking for a place to watch clemson and lsu downtown tuscaloosa right there at heat pizza bar at government plaza talking tide podcast at podbean.com itunes google play stitcher and tune in the twitter feed talking underscore tide chase goodbread and travis ryer with you for a couple more minutes in this uh, abbreviated version of the Talking Tide podcast. Going to wrap up, Travis, the early entry news for the Crimson Tide, and I guess it's not quite all in the books yet as we still await a decision from Najee Harris, the deadline coming up in another week or so. But Tua Tungvaloa, uh, who had not made his decision as of our uh, last podcast, decides he's going to go ahead, take that NFL plunge despite the, the hip issues that have uh, NFL general managers Uh, A little unsure as to what they're getting physically with him, Uh, although it certainly looks like uh, his first-round status is is unaffected in that regard. But also Henry Ruggs decides he's going to move on. Devontae Smith decides he's coming back. Uh, Your thoughts on how some of these uh, decisions have shaken out for Alabama? Yeah, I think all in all, it's been pretty good news for Alabama. Now, it depends on what your sort of perspective or – 
your, your sense of reality, I guess, is in some of these situations. Uh, if you were kind of dead set on Tua Tonga Vailoa coming back for another year, well, then I, I guess you, you're a little disappointed. If you're a realist, then you certainly expected that to be uh, the most likely of outcomes. But yeah, to get Alex Leatherwood back, to get Dylan Moses back, to get Josh McMillan back as a six-year guy, um, to go along with Alex Leatherwood and Devontae Smith. And as you said, as of the time that we taped this pod, because we are such wild and crazy guys, this is what we do on Saturday nights That's around right. 9 o'clock. Yeah. You know, we're just so happening. Um, we hadn't heard anything for sure on Najee. Now, a couple of ways to look at that, I guess, Chase. The longer this thing goes on with Najee, uh, do you take it as a good sign for Alabama? Because the perspective, the perception anyway, you know, going right into this after the Citrus Bowl was that Najee, as much as any of these guys, seemed to be a slam dunk to move on, but that hasn't been the case as of yet. There has been some talk that perhaps his draft grade wasn't certainly what he had hoped, and uh, maybe another year's attractive to Najee Harris. Yeah, there's no question that that he was considered one of the first out the door at the end of the regular season. Uh, My information certainly was that his intentions were to leave Alabama. So, yeah, I think it is a sign that he's uh, reconsidered that, at least to some extent, uh, that he has not come out with a final word just yet. Uh, of course, the you know what I've heard is that some of the feedback he's gotten is is mid rounds, maybe third round, and of course that would be feed like feedback like that would be coming from Nick Saban's sources or some other sources because the official feedback from the NFL. Uh, at a draft advisory committee doesn't say third or fourth round. There's only three kinds of feedback on that letter. You're either, it tells you you're going to expect it to go first round, second round, or the third letter is go back to school. And mm-hmm. I would presume his letter probably said head back to school. And, uh, he, he, he may end up doing that. Uh, and it, 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 it would surprise me, frankly, because like I said, everything I had heard uh, was that he was long gone, especially after the year he had, 1,200-plus yards, yeah. uh, but, uh, but maybe not. Do you think he also looks at what Alabama brings back? When you talk about the offensive line, Chase, you talk about a situation that's going to be in transition at uh, quarterback, so you know you're going to get your touches, you know, if, if you thought the sort of role you played, if you're Najee Harris over the final six to eight weeks of the regular season, there's going to be a continuation of that. I think it's safe to say that would certainly be the case. Um, I guess what I'm saying is it's set up in a way in which he could pretty easily, if he stays healthy, surpass the 1,500 plus scrimmage yards he had this season. When you talk about rushing and receiving, the 20. Um, total touchdowns that he had between rushing and receiving. Uh, he's if he has a, if he comes back, Chase, and he has a year running the football like he had this year, he'll become Alabama's all-time leading rusher. Think about that for a second. Now that doesn't that doesn't Im- impact your your bank account, um, not in, in not in terms of the immediate future anyway. But you know, if he does have that kind of year, though, I guess. Could he help himself by a round, you think, or, or maybe even more? 
I think he could help himself by a okay. round or so. I, I, I do. That's where I that's where I get a little bit conflicted with Najee. When I look at Najee, I, I don't know if the ceiling is much higher than. But but I guess it depends on the guys you're coming out with too, right? At, at, that always impacts it for sure. Uh, now, one thing I think we know about Najee Harris is he's he he's not a breakaway speed guy. Um, he he's he's not a guy who's who's gonna. Um, beat a secondary in the foot race from, from 60 or 70 yards out. And that's going to keep him, I think, out of the, out of any first round discussion, regardless of when he comes out. Yeah. That said, uh, yeah. Do I think he could work himself, you know, presuming he is considered a mid round pick for this 2020 draft. Do I think he could work himself into the second round maybe in, in 2021? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can definitely see that. Um, he certainly showed, uh, a lot of, I think, pretty impressive receiving skills for Alabama. He's super quick. He's got a lot of size. He's got a lot going for him. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and uh, he'll, with what's coming back, uh, you got Harris, excuse me, you've got Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell uh, making up. You're starting two receivers for sure. Mac Jones, your quarterback. Uh, and Smith and, and Waddle, they're going to get their targets too. But if Harris comes back, you're right. Uh, he's going to eat. He's, he's going to get plenty of action. He helps cover for some of that loss at the wide receiver position too, because as you saw this year, you can throw it to this guy. He had over 300 receiving yards, seven touchdown receptions this year. And I think you hit on something just a second ago, uh, about his explosiveness or perceived a lack of it. This is a guy with 387 career carries at Alabama Chase. His longest career run to date is 35 yards. 35. That's it. But you know what he does? He absolutely wears people out in that 10 to 19 yard range. He's had over the last two seasons, he's had 54 runs, Chase, of 10 to 19 yards, somewhere in that window. So, look, he hasn't really hit the home run, I guess you could say in his first three years, but no one in the Southeastern conference at the running back position has hit those chunk type runs like he has uh, since the start of the 2018 campaign. By the time we podcast again here on talking tide, Najee Harris's decision will uh, almost certainly be in the books. Uh, we'll uh, bring you more on that when it comes. Travis, before we get out of here, be remiss if I didn't ask you about Mike Leach coming from Washington State to Mississippi State. Uh, Lane Kiffin and, and Mike Leach. In the, is Mississippi big enough, Travis, for <laughs> Kiffin and Leach? The Pirate and Kiff and the <laughs> Sip. How about that? You know, of course, what, when uh, – when Lane was at uh, USC and and uh, Leach was back at Texas Tech, this is absolutely what we forecasted for <laughs> 2020, right? Those two guys coaching at Miss, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, respectively. It's fascinating. There's no doubt about it. Uh, if both programs wanted to move the needle, so to speak, I think both did it with their latest hires. Uh, I'll be interested to see you know, exactly how much offensively uh they're able to sort of maintain that unique nature that they've that that sort of intrigue and that mystique that they've had to go along with their their tangible abilities to draw up offensive football and get matchups um you know and they're gonna i think they're gonna need to call on it because in in that division alone just in the sec west alone um 
you know, Ole Miss, Mississippi State uh, just aren't going to have the the players that LSU and Alabama, even Auburn, um, are going to have in Texas A&M, for that matter, are going to have on an annual basis. But that decided decided schematic advantage that Charlie Weiss talked about when he uh, when he spent that uh, layover in Gainesville with Will Muschamp as offensive coordinator, that's that's going to be the expectation. Chase is that schematically. You know, those two guys are going to draw it up well enough to to give those two teams a chance just about every Saturday. What I find interesting and, and fun to keep an eye on in that dynamic over in the SIP, Travis, is is that for for a long time now, Ole Miss has developed a reputation as a team that can hurt you throwing the ball, and so they've had the quarterbacks and the receivers between the two of those mm-hmm. schools. Mississippi State, notwithstanding Dak Prescott, They've had a long history of average quarterbacks and average wide receivers. If you were, you know, AJ Brown told me this when I went and did a feature on him last year. He said, "Look, if you're a wide receiver in, in Mississippi, you go to Oxford. You don't go to Starkville." Well, if anybody in the world can do something to change that, it's Mike Leach, right? Because whether he gets a two star or a five star, he's gonna. F- He's going to find a quarterback that can do what he wants him to do. He'll find he'll get the receiver, and those receivers might be two or three star guys. But you watch one way or another, he's going to he's going to be throwing for three hundred a game at Mississippi State. Well, and you know it had started to transition more that way. I think under Joe Moorhead from Dan Mullen, um, Dan Mullen spreads the field because he wants to run the football. You know, uh, and, and I think one of the misconceptions with Leach is that he doesn't really want to run the ball at all. And he does. They'll run the football some, but make no doubt about it. Uh, it's predicated on, you know, those matchups in space specifically uh, that that air raid offense can get against opposing defenses. So just in terms of inventory, roster inventory, Chase, that's still going to have to change a good bit in Starkville. I mean, you know, Leach will run eight, nine, ten wide receivers at you in a game in a game, you know, because of how they, they work those guys and rotate. So, um, and maybe I would say also not just protect his quarterback on Saturdays. Maybe he needs to put a left tackle to walk to class with Garrick Schrader after, uh, what happened with him and Willie Gay, you know, after practice. So no, I, I think, I think it, if, if nothing else, look, you know, who likes it too, chase. And we almost got out of here without talking about him. The ticket man likes yes. it real good. Because it's a lot, it's a lot bigger sell to sell Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach in this division than it was Matt Luke in Joe Moorhead. I mean, the Tuscaloosa ticket man, look at his, look at his schedule now with Mike Leach. Because you got Mississippi State coming in here next season too. Chase go on with Georgia, A and M, the Iron Bowl. A Tuscaloosa ticket man is going to rebound like Rocky, you know, in the eleventh against Apollo Creed. I'd buy a block for the Egg Bowl right now if I was a ticket man. <laughs> going to be in Oxford. Going to be in Oxford in 2020, right? Yeah, uh-huh. they were just in Starkville. Yeah. I'd go uh-huh. down to Oxford and get me a block right now. Do they? Do they? Do, does Kiffin and Leach hate each other enough though? They're not going to hate each other. Enough. Give them time. Give yeah. them. Give them. Time. Our guy Steve Robertson over there at Jeans Page. I don't know if he's going to like the friendly nature of the coaches. You know, people like that. They like. They like a little angst and a little. Uh, 
a little uh, bitter, a little saltiness when the, it comes to the coaches. The, you the, know? the fire between those two is coming. Yeah. Look, the, the friendly ne- bowl. Neither, the friendly bowl. Neither one of them have much of a filter between brain and mouth. And so <laughs> all, all it's going to take is, is one of them to make some kind of a crass crack about the other, and then it's just going to start flying back and forth. Lane's been pretty subdued, hasn't he, to this point on the Twitter? Well, you I mean, got, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, he hadn't really come out guns a-blazing. Maybe this is a – more subdued Lane Kiffin that we're going to get over there in Oxford. Yeah, we're getting we've been getting these Zen like uh, philosophical commentaries yeah, I mean, what is that? on Twitter. You know, yeah. on, his, on his kitchen countertop in the morning. Yeah, great. Yeah, the granite the granite looks great, Lane. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. some people prefer the old Lane. <laughs> At any rate, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Stick around. Me and Travis will be back with another edition of Talking Tide in a week or so. Uh, we'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Talking Tide podcast.